0: Welcome to New England Soccer Journals The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of New England
1: Soccer Journals The Goal Podcast. We've got another great guest for you today as I'll be joined in studio by Stonehill Men's Soccer Head Coach Jim Reddish. Jim is entering his 14th season as Stonehills head coach, and this year is unlike any other. For the first time, the Skyhawks will compete as a Division I program as they have transitioned from Division II and are now a member of the Northeast Conference. Jim, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Big, big times. Have you had a chance to catch your breath in the last few months here? It's been a busier summer than I'm
2: used to in the past, uh, but it's all exciting, it's all fun, it's all good, and the guys come back next week, and I'm excited to actually... Get away from a computer and get on the field and kick
1: a ball around. <laughs> I think the news dropped in April that the, the athletics were transitioning to Division One. <laughs> we joked off air that this might be the, fir- the fastest transition in the history of, of college sports. And, and you've had basically four months here to prepare. What are the biggest, I mean, in a broad scope here, what, are, what have been the biggest challenges to prepare for this transition? It,
2: it, first let me say it's just it's an amazing move for the college it's exciting in every way and a, a big supporter of it but it happened fast i mean the president came out the end of february and presented to us and said hey we're considering a move to division one we were quietly working on it for the previous two years during covid uh we didn't know anything about it i've been around Stonehill since the fall of 1992 and not once did anybody ever mention to me the possibility of going to division one uh, we've been in division two for a long time in the Northeast town, which has been an excellent conference, but, uh, Stonehill has been growing. Uh, when you think about the college and the strategic mission of the school, uh, we are only 75 years old. There's a lot of schools in New England that are over hundred years old, uh, uh, deeper histories. Uh, so for Stonehill to take it to the next level, we've had a lot of building on campus the last 15 years. We've built up a business school, a school of arts and sciences. Uh, we have an excellent campus, uh, facilities, beautiful campus great location, uh, but we've built it out. Uh, we don't. We, we are adding gradu- graduate schools. We are going to reclassify uh, our academic affiliations from a liberal arts institution to a regional university north. And the leadership and the board looks at the schools that we want to be peers with and said, well, why don't we play them in sports? And it was a great question, and they did this all silently, and they determined that maybe we should consider going to Division two so we could play some more like-minded schools, schools that we aspire to and want to be peers with there's a lot of great schools in New England and in division two, the travel was getting tougher. I was going to Philadelphia and Buffalo for non-league games. It was division two was getting smaller. And if we're going to travel that far for games, when there's plenty of great institutions in New England that we can throw a rock at and hit, why are we not playing them? So that's, that was like the big picture reason why we did it. Um, But the other schools come out and say, Hey, we're going to, we want to go D one. It's in the newspaper for years. Well, we did it. And then the, the phone started ringing and in five weeks we had an invitation and we had more than one school kick the tires a little bit which is a compliment to our campus our academic success we have a great endowment and it just happened that we had a great fit with the northeast conference It was Bryant moving and Bryant was a former northeast 10 team and we just slid into their spot in the schedule and as a coach if you told me hey this is going to happen in 23 or 24 that would have been torture so to be able to rip the band-aid off jump in the deep end sink or swim do it right away learn on the fly, I think is the best way for us to do it. It would have been agonizing to think about it. It would have been awkward recruiting. Uh, I brought in a whole recruiting class without knowing that this was happening. So, uh, but these kids are all playing at the high-level clubs. We're aspiring to be Division One players. Guys on my roster wanted to play Division One, So the players are all excited. We're excited. I think it's a great move for the school, the players.
1: Uh, the challenge will be great, great but uh, you know, we're ready for it. For people who may not know, when this type of thing happens, when a when a university transitions from Division two to Division one, there's that four year transition period where you're ineligible um, for postseason play, NCAA tournament. Uh, are you? Can you play in your conference tournament?
2: So we just changed the rule uh, within the last two months. The NEC voted we are now eligible in our third year.
1: Okay, that's great. That's uh, it's great.
2: Excellent because. Uh, the NCA is looking into it as well. It, it is prohibitive. It's not fair to the student athlete to not have an opportunity at postseason for four years. You bring in a freshman, the schools that have gone before us, and then the kids are waiting four years. It's a long time. Right. Uh, there's a lot of changes coming down in the NCA and Division One and Power Five, and this is something to look at in a couple of years. So we're hopeful that gets changed for the NCA. But you know, we're going to spend this fall learning the ropes on the fly anyway, and then we have one more season. So by year three, I, 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 I plan to be ready to compete in the Northeast t- Conference uh, postseason
1: call me radical on this, but I would almost prefer them to just do away with the four-year transition period or even make it maybe a two-year transition period because, you know, I was – I mentioned this to you off-air and before this job I covered a lot of college basketball and I covered UMass Lowell when they went through the same transition. And, you know, coaches there would tell me the same thing. It was hard to get a kid to commit telling them, come here, but you can't can't play in the postseason. Because one of the biggest things about anybody who grew up watching college sports – is like the idea of playing in the NCAA tournament. That's a, that's that's everything. I mean, that's what kids want to do. And when they know they can't do it for four years, it's a detriment to recruiting. So that's going to be is that going to be a hard challenge for you? Do you think to to sell that to kids? Maybe next year that it's going to be a couple of years before they before they can. Play it the could league? it yeah. could
2: be it hasn't so far. I yeah. mean, for instance, I mean right now at Stonehill, I had a coach friend to me say years ago. He looked at us our team before the game. He goes, "Wow, all your guys really want to be here. Yeah. They love your school." The players that I have, we don't have anybody on full scholarship. That's easy you know, for a full scholarship kid. I want this, I want that. I'm going to bounce here to there. But uh, where we're coming from, we didn't have any of that. So everybody has skin in the game and picked the school that they wanted to play a high-level soccer in a small school setting in a great league. Uh, that's been our draw. We have great academics between the business and the science programs. These kids want to be here. And the whole journey throughout their academic and athletic experience is going to be the same. Now, when we talk postseason – Sometimes you make the postseason and you finish your season on a Sunday, you play Wednesday. If you lose in the first round, you're over. So now you're talking about four days of the whole journey. And obviously, the more elite teams, you build up your team, and we all aspire to go further. But it might be, it could be three to seven to 10 days of the whole experience. Now, yeah, there's a sacrifice in there for the player. But if you want to be there the whole year, that's something you just got to understand. We're talking about an extra week or two or three of playing. That's not a guarantee, even if we are eligible. So the kids that we get are looking at a lot of schools. They're looking at a place where they can get their academic experience and have an opportunity to play. And for us, with a lot of domestic players, uh, that's kind of been the draw the past few years. So I don't see that being too much of a deterrent.
1: i, I got to imagine that's one of the main changes here because Division two programs, I know, often recruit more internationally. You, you find a lot of avenues internationally for players that can fill out your roster. Does this help recruit domestically, being in Division one program, Does that help? Kind of the inroads in New England and recruiting those players at all, or absolutely.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean we have. I mean this year I think I have seven Massachusetts ECNL kids coming in, former De- development academy players. We've been kind of hitting that market anyway, and a draw is the fact that we haven't. We don't go overseas, and a lot of kids see that on the rosters, and they're, they're not playing. And especially in Division Two, they're older. Division, uh, they're older international players. Again, we didn't have that, and so I, we provide an opportunity to compete at a high level where uh, that wasn't the market that we in. I, I, I expect that market could change a little bit. We've already expanded our reach. I have an ID, ID clinic coming up in August. I have uh, players coming up from South Carolina, Maryland, Colorado. I have a Colorado plane coming in this year as a freshman. So part of the goals of school is to reach out domestically, and I'm going to embrace that. Uh, and there will be some in, international opportunities, I'm sure, but it just hasn't been the market we've been in because of the cost of the school and the nature of those kids coming over here but it's definitely uh, in division 1 they'll be in a national place but they're not going to be as old as they were in division 2 and that was a big thing and we had a 27 year old rookie of the week this year we're not going to see that in division right. 1 so my guys are getting excited about playing kids more their age
1: yeah I, what's the the biggest difference to you uh, between a division 2 player and a division 1 player i mean I, even if you watch Division Three players now, these kids, a lot of these kids, particularly NESCAC schools, could be Division One players. It's just maybe they, educational purposes, they chose that route to go to NESCAC. But is there much of a difference between the D two and the D one guys uh,
2: at the top of our conference? No, yeah, uh, especially with the rules and the, the, these high level international players uh, that are older and we're playing them at twenty four and twenty five. They're men and they can beat a lot of the Division One schools and have in, uh, in recent years, in spring seasons, in COVID years. And, and they've proved that they can do that because those players just aren't eligible to Division One. So the top-level talent, and I've had friends say to me, wow, you're jumping to Division One." I'm like, have you seen the top of the Northeast 10? Yeah. The top four or five teams in our league would compete for a championship right away. You saw what Merrimack did three years ago. They left our league. They finished fourth place. They went into NEC and went 9-0 and in their first season. And they finished fourth in our league. So – we're coming from a very strong league. That, that's the least of my worries. Is the level of play because we will recruit um, better players, and you know we need some goal scorers. Who doesn't want that? But so we'll get that type of player. But the level of play and talent and the speed of the game, we're, we've already seen it. So, I, and I'm not putting. <laughs> I expect a big challenge. We got our work cut out for us, but it's more the logistics to travel, playing all new opponents, going to all new places. Those are the things that I'm worrying about right now. As
1: players, we're all gonna we're all gonna figure it out on the fly. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I almost could see division 2 recruiting and coaching as potentially more difficult than division 1 recruiting and coaching cuz with no disrespect to division 2 it's kind of like that that tough in between gray area where it's like you know there's not that many programs around the country it's a high level but like we said you're a lot of programs are inter, uh, recruiting internationally it's just a tough niche to kind of fit into is that is that correct would you agree with that
2: why do you think we left <laughs> It's uh, you know, we kind of got out the door. We saw the writing on the wall in uh, Division Two. Strong California, the West Coast. There's some strong oh, yeah. Division Two. Athletically, we're we're competitive in one of the top Division Two uh, conferences in the league. But uh, there's just not a lot of us. We're reducing some of these small schools in the middle of nowhere. You know, you see this, the stories, the population's declining, less mm-hmm. kids going to college in coming years. We're being, our leadership is extremely proactive to get out the door before others did it. And I expect others might follow um, because there's some strong Division three schools. Now, some schools might say, hey, we, should we go down? And we've seen that happen, but... There's a lot. There's 84 Division Three schools in New England, so now you're going to another saturated market. So in Division Two, it's kind of like you, you have a high level of play. You're allowed to give some athletic scholarship money, but not everybody does it, right? So it's not an equal playing field. It's the wild, wild west with age and rules. Division One's more structured. I think we have ability to be more successful in Division One. Uh, there's more minimums. There's more expectations, and and as a school, we're already talking about ramping up uh, facilities, funding, staffing, and that's the exciting part for me. Where in Division Two, I'm recruiting. Kids that want to play Division One, but once they make that decision, hey, maybe I'm not going to be a starter there, or I'm not going to get a full scholarship, then they start looking at their best academic choice. And that, a lot of times that came down to us. We had 85% of my teams in the business program. We have a great science program. Or am I going to go to a high-level D3 school? And there's so many excellent D3 schools in New England where I'm going to go and have an awesome student-athlete experience. I'm going to play, potentially be an all-conference player, uh, maybe get All-New England, All-American, uh, all play in the NCAA tournament. So that was always the catch. And, and I know Division three coaches would say that, yeah, you, Stonehill, Division two, come here and you can play in the NCAA tournament. There was absolutely a recruiting t- uh, tool for Division three schools. Uh, and at the end of the day, really, I would always tell, where do you want to be for four years? Where, 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 what's the network you want to be part of, and and that's the way I sold it, and didn't have trouble doing it.
1: Calling it the Wild Wild West is a great term because I, I mean that's literally what is. Are you pessimistic of like the future sustainability of Division Two? I mean, because we're, we're across the board, college athletics are just you know look at the West Coast teams joining conferences out here in, in college football. I mean, it's just nuts. The the constant changing. Does Division Two have like the, the lifeblood to continue going in the, in the future here?
2: Uh, it, it does. It, it, like I said, it's regionally. In the Northeast, if you're, dra- tra- if you're traveling seven hours to play a school, it, in and some schools people around here never even heard of, what's the value in that? When I could drive 45 minutes and play a Harvard, a Holy Cross, a Brown, uh, there's so many excellent schools up here, the Ivy Leagues, the Patriot Leagues. Uh, there's so many institutions that people have heard of uh, that it's more advantageous. in Division Two. yeah, I, I do think – uh, big picture wise, there's a lot of schools wondering what's going to happen with it uh, because if there's movement in Division One, and it's very volatile, I and mean, you see the news every day in the Pac-12, and at that level, it's all about big time money and TV contracts. We're not at that level, but if they break off and there's a Division One that's left, that's a pretty good place to be. You know, I don't have to play Alabama and Clemson, uh, but and we can still have a great student athletic experience playing great institutions. So, I think in the coming years, the next two years, there's going to be a lot of people. There's a lot of people evaluating. Uh, what we did and listen the schools that came before us I mean we can go all the way back to 08 when Bryant left and when I was a player Back and Sacred Heart left Bryant left in 08 Low left in 12 Merrimack left three years ago and as far as I know from the outside looking in it was a successful move for all those schools so I have no doubt that it's going to be a successful move for us and others are going to take notice because if we lose a few more schools in Division 2 there's even less teams to play I mean it got to the point where you know uh, Bentley was a good rival for us we, we would play them twice obviously always a good game uh, great coach and we knew we'd have a good game 45 minutes away why do I have to drive three hours for a game when I can play a great opponent three hours away <laughs> 45 minutes away excuse me so that's when teams are starting to play teams twice you know your scheduling's in trouble
1: what's the buzz around campus amongst players administrators coaches is there just a, a high level of excitement for this move to division one
2: yeah I believe so I think when it first happened everybody's really it was a surprise it was a shock uh, and uh, we had a big event on campus in April because it was rumored. I told the players, hey, listen, this is going to be in the newspapers. I was very, I wanted to. Let, I, I, as soon as I found out, I let them know. Wanted them to know before anybody else. But I was, again, around the school for 30 years. This was all news to me. So it was a culture shock for a lot of us. But once we had a week to process it and realize all, all the upside, you know, this instant fear we're doing what? Well, I'm trying to do this in Division Two, But the expectations are going to, uh, higher the, the the street cred is already higher, as I said to the players. And I just there's so much opportunity. And for me, who's been doing it for 20 years, I, I, I think all I see is upside and, and positivity of ch- uh, new opportunities, new places to go, new challenges. And my players, I mean, I turned down a couple games from players, uh, some teams, big-time teams, because the challenges you mentioned earlier was how, how do you get a schedule in April when everybody – has already done their schedule. I usually do it a year ahead of time. Sometimes two. I had most of 23 already done. I'm very organized. And now I had to start from scratch. Who's available? Well, guess what happens there? We have to go on the road for almost every game. We have four home games all season. So we're going to be road warriors. They'll come back in 23. So uh, just doing that logistically off the bat uh, was a challenge. And exciting and telling the players, hey, we're playing all new teams and going to all new places. So uh, once we did that and I told them some schools had reached out, I said, well, really not in year one. We're not ready to go to the ACC in year one. Uh, let's, let's build it up a couple of years. There's some great schools that reached out. I said, yeah, maybe two, year two or three. Love to do that. Great opportunity for my players. Uh, that's exciting. And uh, so ability to travel out of the region, but there's so many good schools locally that I'm excited to play and good coaches that I've seen for years or known for years. So those opportunities will be exciting as well.
0: New England's Soccer Journal's The Goal will return after this. Hey, here's a great new idea in fundraising Soccer Heads New England Comedy Fundraisers. This is better than a stand up show. It's an event that your community will never forget. You'll get soccer themed comedy with Paul Nardisi, who has been on Conan O'Brien, and Nesson Comedy All Stars, along with Dave Radigan from Sirius Radio Comedy, and Jim Roberti. There will also be giveaways and all sorts of extras. Want to make money for your soccer club and have fun while doing it? Email the guys at SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. That's SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England soccer? New England Soccer Journal and AnySoccerJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England soccer scene. Have every issue of New England Soccer Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to AnySoccerJournal.com to receive soccer coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division one, two, II, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and so much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to anysoccerjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Soccer Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.
1: I remember when UMass Lowell went Division One in basketball. Their first Division One game was at Michigan, and they were they were actually leading at the half by like two points. And everyone's looking on. People I know are looking on Twitter and be like, "Oh my! They're gonna they're gonna beat Michigan in their first Division One." They ended up losing by like 30, 32 or thirty three or something. But like that experience, I think for those just the the, the the identity it brought the university just to play a high profile team like that right off the bat. I think was was a huge thing that they fed off of, and they added games like that. Is that something that um, you hope to do kind of schedule those high-profile national teams in the, in the first few years and just get those games. And just because, you know, even if you see it on the schedule, if you see, oh, Stonehill's going out to play Clemson or Stonehill's going out to play Notre Dame, I mean, that's huge – for for the campus in the in the in the athletics department, right?
2: Absolutely, and in the football and basketball world, there's money involved, and that's part of the transition, right? Uh, you know, creating revenue. That's a whole other aspect of this, and, that, and as it gets better, as the transition goes on. But our men's basketball teams are already playing Boston College, UConn, and Providence this year. Awesome, uh, that's excellent for them. We, I mentioned, I got a lot of schools in New England, and we got we got the local schools. We got, we're playing Bryan, Quinnipiac, Hartford uh, in the normally, but we're going up to Dartmouth and we're playing at Yukon under the lights, uh, midweek in October. Those, I have a lot of Connecticut kids. Uh, they're excited about going to have that opportunity. So, uh, we'll eventually we're going down to Lasalle and playing Philly. We're going up to Buffalo a couple of games. We're flying to Minneapolis. We've never taken a plane to a game, so uh, those are this. We'll get we'll learn the ropes on doing that this year. A little bit more bus time than I'm used to. Uh, get the Netflix ready and <laughs> the laptop and the Wi-Fi hotspot. But uh, we'll get it done. And then in the future, I've already reached out to some schools further out and uh, some schools we're we're founded by the Holy Cross Father. So I've already been touched with school. Also founded University of Portland and. Notre Dame I've emailed them both already about down the road not near one two or three but those are opportunities and affiliations
1: that I'd love to take advantage of and and provide that for us uh, our players when when you went to bed that night when you found out it was official you're going division one were you losing any sleep were you nervous that first those first couple days and then kind of okay we'll we'll figure this out I mean was it all nerve-wracking the transition
2: no uh I've been someone that uh I don't waste any energy on the, the negative aspect because it's already happening. It would have just been a waste of time. I, I just saw, I just saw all positives for me. And my now every program is different. We have twenty three sports at Stonehill. For my program, it's all upside for my players. I love, I love the guys we have. It's a great challenge. They're not afraid of the challenge. Uh, it's just a different one, and I, I, I think. Uh, that was the only way to look at it. And for someone that's, like I said, we're in Division Two, which was, it's a crazy world. The funding's not equal. I, I, we stepped on the field a lot of time, and it wasn't an equal playing field and a lot of challenges. And then we competed. We competed. We beat teams with all international. We beat teams with full scholarship, nationally ranked teams. We did that. And uh, so I know we can do it at the next level, too. It's going to take time to build up, but that's the exciting part. Uh, looking forward to it.
1: Uh, You mentioned to me off here you had a bunch of uh, Zooms yesterday. I'm assuming those are a lot of recruiting Zooms, things like that.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, uh, with the COVID, uh, we had to do all Zooms. It got old, but it it is a technology, especially now as we expand our reach uh, uh, and going to the ECNL playoffs and the national tournaments. So we have kids that... Are now applying from the South and the Midwest, and I've had Florida and California kids. Yeah, you before. must
1: be you must be even more excited to make that recruiting pitch to these players right now. Cause yeah, it's just, it's just more that you can throw on to the to the pitch there.
2: I could sell Stonehill to anybody. Obviously, <laughs> I've been around the campus for thirty years. Yeah. you just have to step a foot on it now. It is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's come a long way. We've done an amazing job building it out. And kids look at the website and they, and they, they say, yes, I want to talk to you, and then they want to come and see it. And I've got a bunch of kids coming two clinics in August, but. The zoom, the zoom helps the face-to-face. It's better than a phone call. It's it's more structured. You get it. You kind of. It's more interpersonal. And I, I, found it, it got old during
1: COVID. But it's it's a good tool right now, especially when uh, the situation that we're in. Let's talk this season coming up because we're only uh, a few weeks away from from the season opener for you. Uh, where do you think you'll be strong? What do you particularly like about what your team has to offer this season? Uh, my guys work hard. We had a great spring. I mean, we scrimmaged. We
2: scrimmaged uh, Bryant. We scrimmaged uh, local Division three teams. We scrimmaged local teams in our league. Uh, we competed hard in every game. Fitness. Our guys love to work out. We have great team speed, fitness. Uh, the defensive organization. These guys will work hard without the ball because they understand we, we're coming from a place there was no easy game. There, there was never a game that you know you're going in there and it was stat day and it's five nothing at, at, at that level. So. Every game's a challenge, so we're dialed in for the ninety minutes. Uh, The biggest difference, and I say this every year, is in our success is going to come down to putting the ball in front of the goal. I mean, we we this not making the playoffs the last couple of years has come down to missing a shot or two. That's how the fine line is between making the playoffs and not making it. So, as every coach says, it comes down to goal scoring. Everybody's well coached and organized at this level, but we need to perform in front of the goal and finish and every coach wants to find that kid that's going to score a goal when they're tying their shoe on the sideline (laughs) you know that's what we all want but sometimes you got to manufacture it and work for it so it's as a coach we're going to work for those chances but that's going to be the first test i had a kid who wanted to he's ready to commit to us and i said listen i I'm not ready. We have to get to a first preseason. I have 12 new players. We have a whole new schedule. I want to get a few Division One scrimmages and a few games under belt because I'll know by early September. Okay, these are the holes we need to fill and fast because we might think we're ready, but until we actually do it, you asked me that question a month from the, a month from now. I'm going to have a different answer.
1: What's been you've been there coaching for a while? We mentioned 14 season. What's been the identity that you've tried? Are you more of a defensive minded coach? I mean, you mentioned that. Um, putting the ball in the net is obviously key for, for all, every program around the country, but are you, how do you kind of fit in that defensive minded, offensive minded? What's kind of your identity?
2: So playing in the strong league that we're in, uh, a lot of possession based, a lot of technical players, and we need to get better technically. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of kids that, you know, weren't playing at that level that would, as a co- I told an old coach friend of mine, a lot of these players are here for a reason. They might have a deficiency. If they didn't, they'd be playing division one. So, we collectively had to get stronger without the ball. And as an attacking player, I feel like most of my focus is when we don't have the ball defensively to make sure we're in shape, make sure we uh, cut down our goal differential. And after my first season, we cut our goals in half from like 40 to 20. And I just from that day on, it was all about pressing, uh, making sure we're compact, get the team, use our speed on the counterattack. Obviously, there's games we would like to have more possession and keep the ball, but there's a lot of games that we didn't, and we had to sit in and, and, and take our chances, and everybody knows that, that game plan. And that was a common game plan, and I suspect we'll be using that this fall as well. But So how do I counteract it? it, it guys that are athletic, you know, not getting beat on restarts, being fast up top, and, and being able to put pressure and, and, and make teams have to go long it, on us and not build on that. So that's kind of been my philosophy uh, And I because I don't like to at times be patient and build up. If we steal the ball, I want to go, and that's simply I want to get a team when they're they're not in shape, and the longer you give them if you if we steal the ball on the other side of midfield and go back to the center back, you hear our center back, I shake my head now there's a lot of teams that are good in that, and when you have the lead, it's great, but when you don't and we you, you want to go, I want to get them when the numbers are up, and that's a fine line between playing nice pretty soccer and getting results right
1: so i'm I'm hearing fitness is a major thing for you then Fit, fitness Pace of play. Pace of play, speed. I yeah. mean, I have some kids that I, I've loved over the years. And they're like, Coach, why am I not getting more time? I said, I can't make it faster. Yeah. Uh, you can't coach that. Right, right. Speed, I mean, is that one thing you've noticed over the course of your coaching? Or has the speed really increased absolutely. in the game yeah, over the last and 10 years? The
2: technical play, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it, it. You know, it used to be a lot of athletes that you can make soccer players. Right. <laughs> can't make a soccer That's player. That's been like the
1: U.S.'s M.O. in yeah, World you, Cup soccer for you c- years. You yeah. can't
2: make a soccer player an athlete. Right. But it, 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 you'd finding that creative player is tough when you don't have the funding. So we've, we've had to play a lot of team soccer and uh, getting guys to be on the same page. And it's easy when they all want to be there. And uh, But the pace of the game has drastically improved. Uh, the style, uh, the coaching has improved. Uh, everything's better than it was 20 years ago. If it wasn't, we'd be having a lot of trouble in this country with <laughs> soccer.
1: How do you forecast the the Northeast Conference? What are who are the league powers as you see it? Or you know the stiff competition? Any any rivalries within the league that you could see forming? Uh, obviously, uh, being new,
2: I mean, obviously uh, some old opponents we haven't played in uh, in a while. Merrimack obviously left three years, or so Bryant left, but we are going to play them non-league. Uh, Merrimack obviously, even being the closest school in a former any ten school, coaches are friends of mine, uh, I've actually talked to them a lot in the last three years while they've gone through the transition. So they're obviously going to be uh, a natural rival for us, and uh, and that's that's exciting. And a lot of the other schools are new. I mean, where we just got onto the software, my assistants now just watching games from last year. Uh, it's going to be on the fly, and we don't play a league game until the end of uh, September anyway. So we have time to um, scout them out, is to say. But I know LAU, LAU won the league last year. They beat Maryland in the NCAA tournament. They were a Division Two team that I was playing about eight years ago. Uh, the other schools, Sacred Heart, we haven't played in a long time, but it's going to take some video research, and
1: um, it, we'll figure it out. What will you miss most about the Northeast 10? I imagine, you know, you had some probably strong relationships with a lot of those coaches and a lot of those programs. But what, what will you miss the most? Our central location. <laughs> uh, that was a big plus for us in the league. We had
2: a lot of short road trips for everybody in the outskirts. We were right smack that in the middle. Like us and Assumption Century located. So it was a big seller. guys were not on the bus long. We had games an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and 30 minutes away you back in an hour and a half, whereas you go five hours. Guess what? It's five hours back. That's a long day in a bus, more overnights. Uh, we had one or two overnight trips a year. Uh, maybe we went up to Le Moyne so Syracuse. I was going to say, is Le Moyne the furthest? Yeah, yeah Le, Britain, Le Moyne, yeah. Uh, Syracuse. Uh, we've done St. Mike's up in Burlington in mm-hmm. a day, but it's usually an overnight in the weekend. It's always a good trip up there yeah. in the fall. That's a great place to be. Yeah, yeah and uh, Adelphi down in Long Island was a long trip, dealing with the traffic and the bridges. but. Between Bentley and the St. Anselm's assumptions those are close trips. Well, guess what? Uh, those are all gone. And Connecticut, I have five games in Connecticut this season. We only have four at Stonehill, so Connecticut's going to feel like a home game, and <laughs> that'll that'll get better as the years go along. But I, I think the travel is the, the as my bosses will understand. I'm always talking about travel logistics, making sure it's good for our players because it's just more than we are done. And I think that's going to be the biggest adjustment.
1: Can there also be a benefit to that? I mean, a lot of travel means a lot of. Time spent together, a lot of camaraderie. Maybe you can form. I, I know a lot of a lot of players you talk to love that aspect of uh, of, of college sports. Maybe some don't, but I imagine there could be some benefits. To I that. I think it will. I mean, we're, I always like the trip
2: at the beginning of the season. We've gone up to Buffalo and done Niagara Falls. We're going to do that again this week uh, this year. We went to Philly a couple of years ago. And we uh, we're doing a team stretch through Valley Forge State Park. And I was talking to schools at uh, University of District, Columbia part of the things I've been trying to do uh, the last couple of years our women's program is going out to Colorado this year we're try- trying to give them that travel experience but we're going to just be doing that a lot more and we're going to Minneapolis and uh, I expect we'll be going to even uh, further places in the in the coming years so the guys like it I, I think doing it every weekend is going to be the challenge you know we're, we don't have a home game till September 29th Oof. so that's just tough tough to be out the first three weekends for freshmen it's their first three weeks in college so it is that's that's going to be the sacrifice and the commitment, but I think the guys are ready for it. it it's they're, 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 these guys are committed. I mean, we're not training because of rules and the, the coach. I just want to play. It is, you know, it's limited. So, there as we talked about off, the kids are used to playing year round right now, and, and the travel with the clubs. Some of them did more travel with their ECNL and MLS next teams. It's insane, did, it's, yes. yeah, it's insane what some of these kids so do. Yeah. I used to feel bad about it when they came, and then the coach we we paid more for gear uh in our club team or we we traveled more so when I look at that perspective and I've now lived that as a parent of soccer players yeah. it's it's a, okay
1: you know I'm going to embrace it and we we'll make make it a good experience for them I mean you're talking like three or four like cross-country flights a year for some of these players. I mean it's it's unbelievable that when I when I see what the what the club game has become it's great and you like you said you're living it right now so oh, you know yeah. you know better than than I do um, but, Jim, this was great. I really appreciate you coming in the studio and, and talking with us. I think it's going to be an exciting year and exciting future for, for Stonehill, and you are Mr. Stonehill Soccer, so you'll, you're, the, you're the perfect person to live this. I appreciate you having me. Thanks again. Thanks again to Jim Reddish for joining the podcast and engaging in a great conversation with us. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Gold Podcast is
0: produced by Steve Safran and is a Siemens Media production. You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. Or visit anysoccerjournal.com forward slash podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.